Pulse 95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair and there's a number of books that people have been buying. Over 1.5 million uh, titles on showcase and display here at the Sharjah International Book Fair. And we've just been given uh, a very fascinating story of uh, the days of, that have gone by. The period between 1507 and 1650. The Portuguese influence and we are very kindly joined uh, by uh, the person who's gifted us this book as well today is Roger Lady de Jesus who is a researcher at University of Coimbra. A very good morning to you and thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here at the Radio Shadow. Well it really is a pleasure uh, for you to join us today. Um, Okay, let's start off by talking about this huge book that we've just got given, uh, The Portuguese in the Gulf, 1507 to 1650. Um, what happened during this specific period and how important is this era to be remembered and observed? Well, actually, you know, the book that you have here uh, is the catalogue of the exhibition that the University of Coimbra uh, organized here at the fair. So anybody who is visiting the fair can see the exhibition. Uh, the catalogue actually is a little bit longer than the exhibition ex itself, which means that the exhibition is only a part of the catalogue. So if you get the catalogue and you can, it, you can get it, you know, on PDF, it's freely available online. So the University of Coimbra has this open access uh, policy. So everyone anywhere in the world can just download the PDF and read the, the catalog which is in Portuguese, English and Arabic so it's thrilling um, and so it tells a little bit about the story about the Portuguese uh, uh, in the Gulf uh, which is a, a really long process so the Portuguese were the first uh, Europeans to get to the Gulf at the beginning of the 16th century uh, and so of course that it's a, a violent process uh, because you know violence and war are, are always present uh, in this um, empire building process. Um, so actually we're trying to show the several layers uh, uh, in this process. Um, and so it is organized in seven sections, the, the exhibitions and the catalogue itself, in seven sections, which try so the, to tell this story about how the Portuguese get out of Portugal, how they arrive, how they've seen the Gulf, how they uh, describe the Gulf and what they make here, mm. what they made here. And what does the exhibition include? We've heard of manuscripts and very rare artifacts as well. Yes, so uh, we have reproductions of manuscripts and we have printed books uh, from the 16th century and 17th century, which are part of the collection of the University of Coimbra. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have also some items, really rare items. Actually, we have two of them, which are being shown for the first time uh, in the world. So <laughs> uh, it's their premiere here at the International Sharjah Book Fair. Uh, one of them is a mariner compass from the 18th century, a beautiful piece from 1785. Uh, and the other is an engraving a panoramic view of the city of Lisbon in the middle of the 17th century. So they're very rare, they're the only, <laughs> only copy known uh, and they've been uh, actually identified uh, uh, for this exhibition and studied for this exhibition and so yes, it's the very first time that they've been shown. Amazing. I'd like to know more behind the scenes of how they're preserved and, uh, and also protected and, and, what, and how useful are these really old manuscripts for, for research? Well, you know, um, in the case of, of uh, these two pieces, uh, these two items uh, uh, are part of private collections. So we've worked with uh, private collectors uh, to loan the, these items. Uh, but on the case of the um, on the case of the books from the University of Coimbra, uh, they're here. Uh, so 
they are uh, between the general library of the university and the faculty of arts and humanities and actually you know anyone can any student uh, because libraries are public and so any, anybody can see them with the proper authorization and so they're well conserved well preserved and you can see them right here uh, as you could see them in Coimbra. Mm -hmm. and can you tell us about finding these things and how do you take care of them after finding them as in the manuscripts as well because when we think of the let's say preservation process we just have an, a tiny idea based on maybe lots of movies that that mm -hmm. might be a little bit sensationalized in the way they do it so is it true the work that they put into and how does it actually happen well, you know, on the case of, well, books are different from manuscripts, of yeah. course, uh, uh, but on any case, they need to be preserved with the certain conditions of humidity, of temperature, of everything, um, because then, you know, uh, uh, you have all the, um, the ideal conditions uh, to preserve. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about books uh, with uh, 500 years old, so at least we want them to uh, be there in the next 500 years. <laughs> so at least it would be the minimum. <laughs> But uh, on the case of manuscript, it's more uh, complicated, of course, because you have more um, conditions that you need to report. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why sometimes in the archive, uh, there are uh, some liability process. So uh, before a researcher can see the documents, uh, they need to be evaluated by technical personnel so they can see if they're actually you know, in good shape to be seen or if they're just being uh, digitalized and uh, then uh, put it online so they can be uh, accessible for everyone. Oh yeah. wow, it just shows that it's a very long and rigorous process. Yeah, of course. Like I expected that perhaps they might be wearing gloves in a specific environment, but the fact that maybe that they should can't be even accessed except through digital means is another yeah. thing that I never really thought of. Yeah, if the manuscript is in really bad shape, it's the only way to... To preserve them, you know. Uh, actually, you know, it's a funny thing that uh, uh, most of what you see in movies and TVs and everything, you know, they, uh, we uh, wearing white gloves. Yeah. Nowadays, it's not something really do uh, done in the in archives, you know, mm -hmm. because actually what you're seeing are the common images, cotton gloves, yeah. so the white ones, uh, and actually they're not uh, recommended, for instance, by the British Library or the Library of, of Congress, uh, because you lose some sensitivities in the hand. Oh, right. And so when you're mm -hmm. working with manuscripts, uh, it's different with books, but with manuscripts, you can, you can lose sensitivity, and so actually you can rip off the page, you know, without oh, okay. expecting for it, because you, you, you cannot feel. So actually mm. what is recommended nowadays more and more is to uh, properly wash your hands before and after and so uh, you can you can work with everything. Um, I want to touch a little bit on the history because you know there's so much to learn from uh, the, 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 the works that are showcased at the at the exhibition mm -hmm. and a lot of us know of the UAE in this region in the modern era and the oil era mm -hmm. um, but what how significant was this part of the globe back in the 15th and 16th century when it comes to trade where the Portuguese had to sort of also make sure that they have a base in this part of the globe? Well, it's very interesting because when the Portuguese arrived uh, in Asia at the um, final years of the 15th century with the famous voyage of Vasco da Gama, um, they, they understand quite quickly that um, all the, the, net, the trade networks already existed. So actually the Portuguese didn't uh, invent anything. Actually, actually they were more just like uh, another player in the game, in this very complicated game. And so, and they understood that, you know, the, the Gulf was central to all this economy. 
Um, that's why in 1507, which is when our uh, catalog and exhibition starts, uh, you have the first conquest of Ormuz, which is an island in the Gulf, of course. Uh, and so, and they understand that through that they could control the trade, the Gulf trade. And on this case, you have several um, items, several uh, uh, things that they were interested. One of them was horses. So, because uh, uh, you know, um, in India, in the Indian subcontinent, um, the, the internal warfare uh, need uh, a lot of horses. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, it's something that they could not reproduce themselves because of the humidity, the temperature, and everything. So, each year you needed to get horses, fresh horses, you know, from the Gulf. And so, what the Portuguese do is uh, importing, you know, be, becoming traders themselves and importing Gulf uh, horses from the Gulf. Uh, and so, for instance, we have a reproduction of a document here at the exhibition from 1515, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a receipt from the arrival of 28 horses to Goa in India, um, because that's a proof of, of this uh, very uh, lucrative trade. And another thing uh, were pearls. So the yeah. pearls, of course, that's uh, uh, the best pearls on the world were, were the Gulf's pearls. Um, and until the 19th century, um, it was one also one of the main commodities here in the Gulf. And so the Portuguese were also very keen to identify the, the very precisely uh, uh, networks here, you know, trading pearls and getting pearls and then exporting pearls to Europe. Yeah. Um, and so that was one also of the, of the other items that were very uh, searched here. And the Khan movie, pretty sure you've heard of it. Yeah, of it course, I've seen it. See, yeah. it's, it's a big thing. I mean, it's all about yeah, yeah. the city of Khofakan, which mm -hmm. is part of Sharjah against the Portuguese. How, what was the significance of such a clash, especially to the Portuguese, from the Portuguese version, their side? Well, you know, actually I was pretty impressed by the movie because it's actually a pretty good movie. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, it's, you could see that in some parts it's a violent movie, but it's very accurate, you know, mm -hmm. historically. So uh, uh, I'm not ashamed of it, of any of it. Mm -hmm. Despite being a Portuguese, I have no problem with that, you know. <laughs> as I've, as, as I've mm -hmm. said previously, you know, violence and warfare is part of any empire building. And so to uh, create an empire or to expand on land, mm -hmm. you always have uh, to deteriorate another uh, regions. Mm -hmm. Actually, we, we, we are seeing it happening now in other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, what is interesting in the movie is uh, uh, how they accurately put the Portuguese, the arrival of the Portuguese, the resistance, the local resistance. And uh, Corfacan is a very good example of this Portuguese expansion and how the local populations uh, uh, resisted from, from this. Because you need to see that uh, these local populations were not uh, you know, passive agents. Mm -hmm. So actually, they were resisting. They were seeing themselves being put uh, uh, in this game, and so it's it's very very interesting. And actually, I recommend the, the movie to several friends uh, because it's uh, it's re really well done. Yeah, very useful for research uh, indeed. And uh, and overall, your thoughts on the book fair? Uh, how's the reception been? How have the people oh, been? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, not only the book fair is amazing, you know. And we're now here in the morning, so it's it's more busy than usual yes. with all the schools. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really amazing to see how a vision, uh, uh, how this idea of knowledge of culture uh, can help uh, uh, to develop uh, a nation, a country, uh, a whole society, and how through books you can uh, you can got to this idea, you know, of, of culture. Uh, and so I think that uh, um, the Emirate of Sharjah uh, must be really proud of itself uh, by all this development uh, uh, through knowledge and through books. Mm -hmm. 
Now, personally, as a researcher, do you believe that there are enough resources and research and books about what was what the Portuguese were doing in the Gulf? Yes, we know about it, for example. We know now, a lot of people know about the Khan and the Portuguese clash, but also, for example, uh, I, I just recently learned several years ago that they were also clashed between Ras al Khaimah and Portugal as well. Mm -hmm. And this is just some news that, or at least some information that we, even as Emiratis, we're still learning about them. So do you think that, are we talking about it enough or should there be more research put into it? And how can we integrate that into the things we talk about, especially about our history, whether it's the history of Portugal or the history of the entire region? Because again, we speak about, oh, we remember the English colonization, mm -hmm. but yep. not the Portuguese colonization. <laughs> we tend to forget about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, as a researcher, I always think that there's more space, yeah. there's more things mm -hmm. to do. So actually, there's a lot of more things to say about Portuguese presence in the Gulf. Mm -hmm. uh, there are already many studies in Portuguese that could be, you know, translated, even in Arabic, of course, or in English. But uh, that's also one of the points of the University of Coimbra here. So it's to create uh, bridges you know, to, to get here uh, uh, so we can uh, work together sharing this common past. And yes, of course, it's a violent past, yeah. but it's the past. So <laughs> it is the past. Yeah. It is the past. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, nowadays uh, uh, we look at, uh, we look to the past, unfortunately, many times as something black and white. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's, it's very gray. Mm -hmm. and so uh, as you know, our own lives are gray. True. Uh, so actually, uh, there are a lot more things to say. And I think that, uh, yes, there are uh, um, a very broad area to cooperate and to uh, uh, think how to expand this knowledge to public to the public sphere mm -hmm. uh, to this public knowledge uh, and of course you know schools are the the, the primary uh, space where uh, you need to to, um, to transfer this knowledge yeah and absolutely. so uh, because the problem is that uh, what is done in academia sometimes mm -hmm. in the academic world um, did not get to the general audience mm -hmm. and so one of the ways is for instance with this exhibition mm -hmm. so we're trying to get out of the academic world to reach another audience to show uh, another another kind of information and uh, what is one thing that you think everybody should check out at the exhibition well you know uh, it's difficult to me uh, uh, to choose one thing because the, um, the exhibition itself must be seen in full yeah and so and, and I think that it's so well uh, put it here in the in the book fair that if you start in one in one uh, in one place you just need to go along and to see the full story and so I think it's accessible for everyone because it's in English and in, in, in Arabic mm -hmm. and so uh, I think I, I invite everyone to to get to the fair to see the exhibition and to download the catalog in PDF. There you go, guys. Well, Roger, thank you very much for joining us thank today, you. Uh, enlightening us with the past. And uh, we look forward to seeing more of your research and, and work here at the Shards of Book Fair. Thank you very much. Well, stay tuned to Pulse95. We'll be back after the business update, continuing the conversation here at Pulse95 Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair. Pulse95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah.